Hello, and thank you for listening to the Encouragement Expert Podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Let's join Pastor Wes Doffenbaugh as he gives us an encouraging word titled, Your Gift or Your Determined Will. Praise the Lord. It's a delight to be with you today. I love each one of you, and God bless you in Jesus' name. I have a good message for you, and I uh, look forward to to, uh, bringing it. So let's say a prayer together. Father, we all know that the Holy Spirit is the teacher, and we want to be taught your word by your Spirit. We pray you'll come and do that, and then coach us to be doers of your word, that we might have intimate fellowship with you and be transformed into your image and somehow be a blessing to others and end up uh, having massive amounts of glory come to your name through our lives because of your great grace. And uh, Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. The message this uh, month is called The Gift of Your Determined Will. Now, What can you give as a Christmas gift to the one who has everything? Uh, That's pretty difficult. But what can you give to the one who is the gift? Now, the Bible says that Jesus is God's gift to the human race. So when he met the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, uh, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So you see, Jesus said that he was the gift of God. Now, in, in Isaiah, there's the prophecy of the coming Christ. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So God was coming to the human race in in the flesh, in the form of a, of a man, both God and man. And so Jesus is the gift of God. Now, what can you give to him? The three wise men that uh, came to honor the newborn king of the Jews brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I've always thought that when Joseph had to flee to Egypt with Mary and the baby because uh, wicked old King Herod wanted to kill baby Jesus, that that's probably what they lived on as immigrants, not uh, knowing the language and all the trouble that they would have gone through. Uh, They had those very expensive gifts to cash in and probably lived off of that for several years. So that was nice gifts. Now in the classic Christmas song, you've probably heard the song Little Drummer Boy, that the little poor drummer boy doesn't have any gifts to bring to the king. And one of the lines goes, I have no gift to bring, pa pum pum But he ends up playing on his drum for the little baby until the little baby Jesus smiles. Well, it's a cute Christmas song. But I often think about that as like, well, what do I have to bring to honor the king? And so that's a good question for all of us. What about you? What can you give to the one who has given you everything that you have? What can you give back to him? What would be the most precious gift that you could give to Jesus to honor him? Now, my, my first point is your will is what God wants the most. You see, God has given us a free will, and he's not going to take it back from us. He doesn't want the worship of robots <laughs> or puppets. Everything else that God gives us, he can take back and you remember the famous words of Job from the book of Job. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
So the Lord owns everything he gives us and he can take it back whenever he pleases, but he's not going to take back our wills. Your free will is something that he isn't going to take back. So that alone is ours to keep and do with as we please. And you can set your will in a direct and intense way towards seeking and knowing God, or you can stubbornly set your will to do your own thing and move away from God. And God seeks the heart that wants and wills to love and honor him. When uh, God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness to be his own people, he said to Moses, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering, Exodus 25. And then again, God said, from what you have, take an offering for the Lord, everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. That would be the clothing for the high priest. Now that uh, is in Exodus 35, but notice that... Uh, all these gifts were to be brought by willing worshipers and nothing was to be brought for the worship of God from those who were unwilling. Now these gifts were used to make the tangible tabernacle for the Lord's presence to dwell in, but that was only a type of the New Testament believer for now in the New Covenant, God actually dwells in people who have received the Son, who have received the gift of God. And God still wants willing worship. And as we move progressively into more and more intimacy with God, our human wills can become conformed to his will. Now, this is the ultimate conforming to God, God's image that, that we can literally become the will of God when God is finished perfecting us. Now, my second point is the de determined will brings God glory by receiving from God. Lately, I've been preaching a lot on divine healing, and then we call people forward and we anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. It's not just the oil, but we pu we're putting the name of the Lord Jesus on them, praying for them. And uh, in my last message, I was sharing that there were different streams of healing. One of the streams is the stream of determination. So there are miracle streams of faith and anointing, the stream of love or the stream of wisdom. Uh, your miracle might be in the stream of knowledge or discipline or obedience. But uh, perhaps the very first stream of healing and the one that feeds into all other streams like a tributary to a major river is the stream of determination. Now, I want to give you some examples of people who are absolutely determined to get healing miracles. Their human wills were fixed, set, and determined to receive their miracle. And this actually drew Jesus to them. The first example is the crippled man at the pool. In John chapter 5, uh, the story is told of Jesus walking around a great number of disabled people who were blind, lame, or paralyzed... 
And uh, you see, that uh, at that place, an angel would come once in a while and stir up the waters of the pool, and the first one who got in would be healed, but no one else. And Jesus was drawn to just one of those people who had been an invalid for 38 years. And Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? And he said, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, this didn't happen very frequently. So that guy had been there a lot. Uh, he had seen, you know, the water get stirred by the angel and tried to get in, but, you know, it just never worked out for him. Somebody beat him in. Well, if we read between the lines, we realize that this man was so crippled that he could never be first. So he must have crawled to the pool each day, or perhaps he asked his relatives, take me down to the pool again. And I imagine they might have said to him, well, what's the use of you going down there again? You know, you'll never get in first. But he probably said, well, take me down anyway. And I, I've always imagined that maybe he was hoping for a very hot day where it'd be too hot and everybody would leave, or maybe it would be so cold everybody would leave, or so rainy that just a few people would be there. And just perhaps on that particular day, the angel would come and stir the pool. Now, my point is, listen to this, this man was ridiculously determined to get healed. He was pursuing a miracle from God, even though it seemed absolutely impossible. And this drew the attention of Jesus. Jesus walked right in amongst all those disabled, sick, crippled, blind, paralyzed people, and was drawn to that one man. And of course, that's when Jesus, you know, healed him. All right, now my second point, but, but my point I'm making is he was very, very determined. Keep telling his relatives, take me down to the pool, take me down to the pool. <laughs> even though it was absolutely impossible. Well, that drew Jesus to him, and he got his miracle. Now, the second illustration is a Samaritan woman with a demon-possessed daughter. And Jesus had withdrawn into the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, those were Canaanite cities, just a little less wicked than Sodom and Gomorrah. So they were, the woman from there probably had been in a whole lot of sin. And she began to follow the Lord and his disciples was, and was crying out for help. They were ignoring her. Finally, she got in front of Jesus and cried out to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And Jesus wouldn't even answer her. And that's when the disciples said, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. And Jesus told her, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Well, then she cried out again, Lord, help me. She knelt in front of Jesus, Lord, help me. And he said, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Now, that's a huge insult. <laughs> you remember when Jesus was at his hometown and he was uh, announcing that he was anointed and fulfilling the scripture in Isaiah. And, and then he said, you remember now when it was, uh, uh, there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, but the only one that was healed was uh, a foreigner. Uh, Naaman uh, came down from Syria and, and he got healed, but nobody in Israel did. Nobody was healed of leprosy, even though there were many lepers. Now that made them so mad. That insulted them so much that they took him to the brow of a cliff and they were going to throw him off and kill him. And that 
should have just humbled them a little bit. They should have said, well, I wonder why God had to heal somebody up there, but none of us. If they would have humbled themselves, they'd have got a great, uh, well, it would have led them into much more truth and they would have received many things from him. Now, my point is this woman was really insulted. Uh, Jesus just basically called her a dog. And I think that he probably did that because she'd been living in deep sin. But she said, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And he said, woman, great is your faith. The demon has gone out of your daughter. Now you see uh, that that determination just got his attention. Now my third, uh, my third example is blind Bartimaeus. And when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he started to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that people told him to shut up and not to bother the master. And that made him shout all the louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. So he was absolutely determined to get the attention of Jesus. And so Jesus called him. And then they said, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. At that point, the Bible says he threw his cloak aside, jumped to his feet, and came to Jesus. Now, a poor blind beggar like that only had one possession, and that was the blanket or the cloak that they would spread on the ground, and they'd sit on that. And then when people would throw coins to them, they'd end up gathering the corners up to pull the coins in where they could find them. And at night, he'd wrap himself up. That was his only covering. If it was hot or uh, too bright, he could uh, cover his head with that. Or if it was too cold he could, uh, or rainy, he could wrap up in it. That was the point of that's all he had. That was his only possession. So when Jesus called him, Man, he believed he was going to get healed, and he threw that cloak aside as if to say, I'm done with this blind life. I'm going to Jesus. Well, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, he could have said, Lord, I have a headache. <laughs> but even though it was so obvious what he needed, Jesus still asked him, and he asked for something that was impossible. Rabbi, I want to see. And without even touching the man, Jesus only spoke and said, your faith has healed you, go. And the man was instantly healed and followed Jesus down the road. Now the fourth example of someone just determined to get a miracle is these friends of a paralyzed man. Him and his friends, they were determined to get a healing miracle. And uh, Jesus was in a house and there was such a big crowd in the house and around the house that the only way to get to Jesus was to go up on the roof. And so they had to carry that paralyzed man somehow up on the roof. And then they tore off a portion of the roofing and lowered him down on a stretcher right in front of Jesus. And the Bible says, And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Well, then he commanded that man to pick up his pallet and walk, and he did. Now, all of these examples show people determined to get a miracle, and they all could have stopped at the obstacles that seemed to block their way. But their determination to receive a miracle was rewarded by Almighty God, who was pleased by their determined efforts. And the miracles that they received brought everlasting glory to the name of the Lord Jesus. And God recorded these miracles so that millions of people over the generations would be inspired to seek God's help with similar determination. Now take notice of that. God wants you 
to be so inspired. He has a miracle for you, and he'd like you to be determined to receive it. Now, my third point is that Jesus would like you to be determined to receive your miracle. Jesus was pleased by the faith of those people in, in those four examples. He was pleased that they were determined to receive from him. Now, I want you to think about that. Could we give a Christmas gift to Jesus that was our human will set and fixed and determined to get a miracle for our joy and for God's glory? Well, if so, then what would your gift to Jesus be? What would it look like? In other words, what are you believing for in a determined way? Now, we can talk about setting our will to seek God or setting our will to obey God. We can talk about yielding our will to God's will and finally coming to a stage of spiritual development where we literally become the will of God on earth. And I hope to speak about these things, but let's first consider giving Jesus a gift of determined faith. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 7, ask and keep on asking. This is the amplified version. And it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds, and to him who keeps on knocking it will be opened. Now, in the Greek language that these scriptures were written in, these verbs of ask, seek, and knock show continuous action. And that's why the Amplified says ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. Now, I believe the devil would like to be your counselor on spiritual matters. And uh, I perceive the devil himself would like to tell you something like this, quote, You've, you have to love God whether he does it or not. You have to be willing to die of your disease. You'll go to heaven anyway. And the sooner you just yield to it, the sooner you'll get out of this life and go to heaven. You have to be willing to suffer for Jesus, unquote. Well, that sounds pretty much like the devil. Now, rat poison is 98% oats and 2% poison. So the, there's always some truth, usually, in what the devil says, and then he mixes in a lie. It's true that we've got to love God whatever happens, but yielding our will and bending our will so that the devil can oppress us or take us out early or block our attempts at soul winning, that's not what pleases the Lord. In fact, the Word of God calls this a double mind. I believe that a double mind that is spoken of by the Apostle James is when we ask a little, seek a little, knock a little, and then say, well, I'm okay with it either way. I'm okay if I get it. I'm okay if I don't. I don't think that's the what the Lord likes. <laughs> Now, James wrote, I'm going to quote his scriptures here, if any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given him. But he must ask for wisdom in faith without doubting God's willingness to help, for the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. That's James 1, 5 through 8 in the Amplified. Now, in other words, if you're asking for something that is clearly God's will, then fix and set your will on receiving it. 
be determined to receive it. You say, well, what if I don't know if it's his will? Then set out to find out God's will. Find out what pleases the Lord. Seek him until you know. I know he wants to do this. I know this is God's will. And then be absolutely determined to keep on asking, seeking, and knocking until you get it. Be as determined as any or all of those Bible characters who were determined. Now, this is a wonderful and pleasing gift you can give to Jesus, a determined will, determined to receive and to prevail for his glory, prevail over the obstacle or over the disease or over uh, whatever. Now, I'm sure God loves all of his own who for some reason or other do not receive a miracle. And I don't want anything that I teach on faith to become a terrible burden to anyone. So if your faith is weak, God will love you anyway. All right. But I believe that you and I could be just as determined as those people. They're just average people. Why couldn't we be just as determined as them? And if you're believing for a good thing, something that the Bible reveals to be God's will, or the Spirit of God confirms that that's his will, then we ought to be determined to receive it, to find it, or to have it open to us. And we shouldn't stop when we run up against obstacles of all kinds. Now, my fourth point is that every intercessor must be determined to get the answer. What is an intercessor? Well, that's someone who gets answers for other people. They pray and get answers. Uh, but an intercessor, of course, is praying for somebody else. And so there's someone who prays God's will into effect on the earth. And God would like us all to become intercessors because Jesus taught us all to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, most of the time this is just repeated mindlessly rather than prayed earnestly. See, there, in heaven there's no injustice. But on earth, justice is a really rare commodity. It's like gold. It's rare. And Isaiah prophesied about Christ, he will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. Isaiah 42, 4, he won't falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. And to the intercessors, God spoke through Isaiah, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Isaiah 62, 6 through 8. Now, I believe that's the new Jerusalem. I believe that's praying for the kingdom to come on God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And notice it says, don't give yourselves any rest. Don't give him any rest. Keep right on praying in a very determined way. And that's the great invitation and an admonition to pray with the greatest determination and to keep on praying regardless of how delayed the answer may seem. Now, George Mueller uh, lived in from 1805 to 1898, and he was a wonderful man who cared for hundreds of orphans in England. And he didn't use uh, professional fundraising techniques. He, he only prayed and asked God to supply the needs and because he wanted to prove that God answered prayer and felt that that was his mission every bit as much as providing for the orphans. And God continually did answer his prayers and provided funds and cared for the orphans. Uh, 
but one of the things that he prayed for was for the salvation of a friend of his. And he prayed for that man for 65 years. And then when Mueller was on his deathbed, that man still had not gotten saved. And someone asked him about that, if he was disappointed or if we believed that prayer would not be answered. But Mueller was absolutely certain that the man would still get saved. And he'd be, he, Mueller died believing that he had the answer. And then after he died, that man did become a born-again Christian. Now, that's a wonderful example of a human will absolutely set on getting an answer from God. You see, now the devil would counsel and say, well, that's radical, that's stupid, that's, that's not good. Uh, that, you know, tell the devil, shut up, you are not my coach. Now, wouldn't you agree that this kind of determination in prayer is a rare thing? Don't most believers quit praying for the salvation of loved ones after repeated disappointments? But it doesn't have to be rare. God encourages us to pray with our wills absolutely set and fixed and determined to get our answers for God's glory. Now, that would be a wonderful gift that you could give to Jesus. See, your will is your will. <laughs> and you have it. You can use it to give and really honor God. Now, here's my fifth point. We should be determined to receive personal national, and international answers to prayer. As I write this, you know, as I speak this, it's the Christmas season, and I urge you to join me in making a new prayer list of things you want to receive from God. But let's make it your determined to receive list. These are the things for which there can be no passivity and no, quote, whatever will be, will be, unquote, attitude. These are your must-receive prayers. Now, you'll use them as a means of giving to God the gift of your determined will. And some of these prayers will be for personal things, such as a physical healing for yourself. Other prayers might be for some loved one to get saved, healed, or helped by God in some way. And still others should be for your city, state, or nation. And finally, some should be for God's kingdom to come to the whole earth. And this is where we pray for a great international harvest of souls, for great worldwide end-time moves of the Spirit of God to sweep millions or even billions of souls into God's kingdom. And this is where we pray for heaven's will to be fully manifested on earth. Now, suppose we pray for perfect justice to be manifest on the earth. <laughs> Do you think that would be God's will, for perfect justice to come to earth? Well, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So yeah, it's God's will. But then you read the newspaper and you'll see that injustice is happening on a massive scale in so many cities across our nation where the criminals aren't, uh, are immediately let go and the police have to catch them again and again and there's it just uh, crime rate is skyrocketing, murder rate is skyrocketing. And then we read about other nations like North Korea where uh, you can't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ at all so much injustice in the world. Now only, listen to this, only the most determined intercessors would keep on praying for God to raise up leaders who fear the Lord. See, you, most Christians are going to look at the political situation. And I call them political pirates because they're worse than pirates. They use their ability to raise taxes to take 
trillions of dollars in plunder and give it to their own uh, people. So they're the worst of the worst. And so when most of us would then would, uh, if we prayed for justice or for God to raise up leaders that fear the Lord, we'd look at the news and, and, and we'd get discouraged and we'd quit. We'd say, what's the use? There are always going to be rascals in Congress. The governors are always going to be oppressive. The mayors are always going to be stupid. And that gives us an excuse to quit. But God doesn't want that kind of intercession. Now, in Luke chapter 18, uh, and I urge you to read that, because the, it starts off, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And he told about a widow who kept coming to a judge asking for justice. Now, this judge was corrupt, and he had no fear of God, so he was ignoring this woman time after time after time. But finally, she wore him down with her continual coming. And he said, I don't fear God. I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing her out with her constant requests. That's the New Living Translation of Luke 18. Four through five. And so the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he'll grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will find, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Now, once again, it's almost impossible to tell the difference between determination and faith. They look like each other. Now, I have read this portion of Scripture, and I've listened to it on audio recordings hundreds of times, perhaps thousands of times. But after all these years, you know what? I want to become what Jesus is talking about. I want to become an intercessor who prays, for heaven's will to be done on the earth and for true justice to come to the whole earth. And I want to be totally determined to get the answer. I don't want to uh, stop when the uh, papers read that the opposite thing is happening. See, because Jesus said, when I come, will there be anybody still praying in a determined way for justice? Basically, that's what he was saying. I don't want to be discouraged when the opposite thing seems to be happening or when, or when there's a long delay to the answer. Now, God spoke through Isaiah, look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He'll not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He'll bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. That's Isaiah chapter 42, 1 through 4 in the New Living Translation. Now, justice is the most difficult thing to bring to the earth. I think it's easier to bring a great healing revival than it is to bring justice. So to bring justice means to completely overthrow the rule of Satan through wicked people. And we have Jesus living within us. It is God's will to conform us completely to the image of Jesus, to make us just like Jesus. Now, a major part of that, then, would be to conform us to the very determination of Christ. 
and we should keep on praying without faltering or losing heart until we receive our miracle and, and until the whole world is free, freed from the rule of evil and until the whole kingdom of God fully manifests on earth forever. Now, let's get a practical application here that's super important because unless we apply the truth, it's worthless to us. So without application, we just sigh and we agree that that's true. And then we go right back to getting discouraged, to fainting, to growing weary, to giving up. Now, let us join our hearts to Jesus so that his own determination is in us. Let's plug our ears to the counsel of the devil who constantly says, give up, accept the inevitable. You are already defeated. It's over for you. Paul prayed, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. 2 Thessalonians 3.5. Now, we only persevere if we're determined. We have to depend on God to get the strength to persevere, but still we have to be determined or we won't persevere. So it'd be a good prayer to say, Lord, direct my heart into your very own love and the very determination that fills the heart of Christ. What a wonderful prayer that would be. I'll say it again. What if you were to pray, dear Lord, direct my heart into your very own love and the very determination that fills the heart of Jesus Christ. God would love to hear that prayer. Now, to pray for God's will to be done in individuals, families, cities, nations, and the whole world in a totally determined way, what a gift that would be to give to our Lord. Now, the sixth point of this sermon is may God give us the determination of his love. Real faith is totally determined. How many of you see that in the first examples I gave? Determination and faith, you can hardly tell the difference. They look identical. So real faith is real determined to get the answer, but what about God's love? Now, the Bible says these th three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And you can finish the verse, but the greatest of these is love, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So since love is even greater than faith, Love must have as much determination and even more determination than faith. Now, I've been preaching a lot on divine healing. And I've been praying for many people for healing. Now, in the past, I mainly enjoyed the way that the Holy Spirit would move through me. And this is to God's glory, but sometimes sparks of spiritual power would, would jump out of my hands or feet. I could, they would go out just like a spark, intensely hot. And, of course, then the healings, miracles, and deliverances, and infillings. And, and, you know, that would all happen. And uh, sometimes people would be healed through power that would jump out of my feet or out of my hands. Sometimes I'd feel a current of, of divine power flowing down my arm and into people through my hand. So all that was, listen to me now, that was a wonderful adventure and seeing different healing miracles and being used of God was what I called holy entertainment. And I preached about that. I wrote about that because the Lord taught me that if I turn away from worldly entertainment, he would be my holy entertainment. But I now believe that all of that was sort of a kindergarten beginner level of spirituality. See, I would revel in the adventure of each healing and I'd sort of notch my spiritual gun with each miracle. Now, my grandfather was named Leonard Moss, and he was a, 
uh, loved to fish and hunt, and he had a 30-30 rifle that uh, he had notched the barrel every time he shot a deer or an antelope, so it had about 80 notches on the barrel. And that's kind of the way I was. I'd notch my spiritual gun when I was used in some miraculous healing miracle. But now, God has moved my heart into loving the people more than loving the adventure of being used by the Spirit. And each person who needs a miracle, you see, is a real person with real family connections, with their own story, with their own infinite value. And now I'm wanting a miracle for them because I love them, not just because I love to be used of God. I still love to be used of God, but I, I want to love the people more than I love the spiritual adventure of having the anointing flow through me. So I feel the determination of love to help them receive and prevail. And that feels right and good. So here's what I'm praying. Lord, give me your very own love for your people. Because the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's like their problem is your problem. You want to see them prevail as if it was your problem that you'd like to prevail over. Try to imagine just how much determination you would have if you were filled with God's very own love for people. I believe we'd pray with the utmost determination. Now, I have a friend in Elma, Washington, a pastor who was commissioned by God to raise up 1,000 hardcore intercessors. That was a mission that God gave him. And uh, recently, God, uh, you know, instructed him that, that or, or spoke to him again that he was to give those intercessors to God rather than God giving them to him. Well, I hope to be of some help in that, and I hope to be a hardcore intercessor myself. <laughs> so I've been pondering what that would look like, what that would mean, and asking myself, am I a hardcore intercessor? Now, back in the 1970s, God called me to be a soul winner, and after some years of winning a lot of little kids, because we started a big bus ministry, and I was leading adults to Christ, and and uh, I said, God, you got anything else for me? And he said, yes, I'm calling you to be an intercessor. And after that, he taught me that I would always have to be the sweetest person in the church, that I'd have to keep myself free from anger and bitterness and jealousy and envy and unscriptural judgment, and criticism of others and slander and, and all those type of things that would hinder our prayers. And uh, I'm not claiming to have done that perfectly. And God is my judge on that. But I have not stopped uh, praying for God's attitude to be fleshed out in me. And so I did memorize many, many sweet spirit scriptures, and I continually try to be that sweet-spirited person that prays without hindrances. Now, being a hardcore intercessor means to be hard on the carnal flesh and the old nature. It means to crucify it so that we walk in a Christ-like attitude. And that's why we want to memorize sweet spirit verses like uh, do everything without arguing and complaining or give thanks in all situations or uh, let your gentleness be evident to all or don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, only what's helpful for building others up. Well, that's a major part of being a hardcore intercessor is to, is to constantly, with God's help, and you'll have to have God's help, keep your spirit sweet. You can't do it in your own religiosity. You can't do it with psychology. It has to be 
the Holy Spirit working in you to bring forth the fruit, but you have to desire it and want it and cooperate. So that's a major part of being a hardcore intercessor. But what if you were to say, Lord, I want my will to be conformed to your will. I Now listen, I want to be just as determined as you are to see you be glorified and for your will to be done. For your glory, I want to persist and be determined to win victories of faith. I want to love people so much, it's as if their needs are my own needs. You said love your neighbor as yourself. I want to care so much about them that I'll persist in prayer. Now, God, here's my will. I'm giving it to you, and I want you to conform it to your will. Conform it so that it goes in the same direction as your will and in the same strength, power, and intensity of your will. Now, that's a big prayer. (laughs) That's a big prayer. (laughs) What a great prayer to pray. What a challenging prayer. And then we should just keep right on. I think I'll just go over that again. Lord, I want my will to be conformed to your will. Say a good amen if you want that. I want to be just as determined as you are to see you be glorified and for your will to be done, just as determined as you are. For your glory, I want to persist and be determined to win victories of faith. I want to love people so much. It's as if their needs are my own needs. Now, you said love your neighbor as yourself, and I want to care so much about them that I'll persist in prayer. So, God, I'm giving you my will. Here's my will. I want you to conform it to your will. I want you to conform it so that my will goes the same direction as your will and in the same strength, in the same passion as your will. Well, to pray in the direction of God's will is to ask for the things God would like to give. Knowing God's will gives us supernatural faith. We claim what God names. To pray in the strength of Christ's will means to have his determination that comes from his love for the Father, his love for people, his love for truth, his love for righteousness. And I believe this is the most beautiful gift that you can give to Jesus this Christmas and every day of the new year. Say to God, here's my will, Lord, conform it to your own. Cause my will to flow in the same direction as your will. So we want the same things. And cause my will to desire what you desire with the same intensity and unswerving strength through the power of your love. Now, my seventh point, I want to give you a few more applications of a godly determined will. First, uh, be determined to be thankful and not be a complainer. That's a good thing to apply. (laughs) The Bible says, do everything without grumbling or complaining so that you may become blameless and pure. Philippians 2.14. It says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And then in Psalms 50, it says, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble I shall rescue you and you will honor me. And then again in that psalm in verse 23, it says, He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me and to him who orders his way aright, I will show the salvation of God. Remember, call upon me in the day of trouble and I'll rescue you. But that's to the people that are thanking God. All right, so be determined to be thankful and not be a complainer. 
And when you pray, thank God for hearing. See, often we pray and we forget to add the thanksgiving. But Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4. So we want to thank God for being, when we pray, we want to thank him for being just and fair and kind and loving and generous. And I believe it's a good idea to begin our prayers and to end our prayers with thanksgiving. Uh, Daniel, the Bible says Daniel prayed three times a day and knelt down to give thanks to God. Well, it'd be a good thing to just be thankful a whole bunch. Now, secondly, let's be determined to stay out of the strife of tongues. This takes determination. In 1996, I was going through, I was a pastor, but, but it was a, I went through a slander attack that resulted in a massive church split. And this went on for about seven months. So just all kinds of horrible things were being said about me. And one morning I was trying to survive. So I get up early and go to the prayer room. And I found a verse in the Bible, Psalms 3120, that says, You hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. And when I read that, I cried out, Oh, Father God, this is what I need. Hide me in your shelter from the strife of tongues. And God spoke to me, I will, if you'll stay out of it. <laughs> Now, you know, immediately I realized I couldn't participate in the strife of tongues and be hidden away from the strife of tongues in God's secret shelter. So it's one or the other. Now, you've got to set your will in a determined way to be hidden in God's shelter from the strife of tongues and be determined to stay out of it. And what's happening on the Internet when you get hear all these people insulting each other and uh, all the strife of tongues just goes like crazy over the internet. Uh, how rare and precious would such a gift to God be to be have a will that's determined to be thankful and not a complainer and to stay out of the strife of tongues? And then thirdly, let's be determined to seek God's face. Set your heart on seeking God with a great determination of finding his fellowship. Not, my dad used to say, I'm a seeker, I'm a seeker, I'm a seeker. I was witnessing to him all the time, and he'd say, well, I'm a seeker. I said, well, Dad, I'm a finder. I seek until I find. And uh, it doesn't do any good to remain a seeker and never find. If you're a good seeker, you'll find. Well, the Bible says, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I will seek. Psalms 27, verse 8. Now, friend, listen, listen to me. One of the greatest habits you could form is the habit of going to bed early so that you wake up early and spend several prime hours with God each day. Uh, when you get up, when I get up, I get up, I go to bed early. And if you go to bed at if you go to bed at 8, you'll wake up at 4. Go to bed at 9, you'll wake up at 5. Go to bed at 10, you'll wake up at 6. See, so learn to go to bed early. You'll get 8 hours of sleep. You'll wake up, and then you put the coffee on if you drink coffee and get your Bible out. And I encourage you to read the Bible first for about an hour and then pray. Now, that's what uh, George Mueller would always do. He would read the Bible on his knees for an hour 
and then he'd pray. And the advantage to that is that when you read, you become filled with the knowledge of God's will. God reveals his will to you, which is basically serving you faith on a platter. And then when you pray, you pray in faith. Now, that'll absolutely change your life. So what am I saying? I'm saying be determined to seek God's face. Be determined to find his fellowship. Now, here's my conclusion. Let's give God our wills so that they will be set and fixed in both his direction with faith and with the intensity and power of his love. And may God conform our wills to the will of Jesus so that by his mighty power, by his mighty love and grace, somehow, by his blood and by the Spirit of God and the grace of God, we would literally become the will of God on earth. And so the psalmist said, my heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise, Psalms 57, verse 7. Psalms 108, verse 1, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise, even with my glory. And another verse says, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Well, a fixed heart like that is the heart that's absolutely determined to do the will of God. What a wonderful gift that would be for you to give to Jesus. The only real thing you have is your human will. Give it to him and let him conform it to his own so that you desire the same things he does with the same intensity. I love you. God bless you. If you would like to partner with us at Encouragement Expert, please email us at pastorbacker at gmail.com or you can write P.O. Box 485 Cresswell, Oregon 97426.